Hi, welcome to the Munch Bunch Mayo podcast. I'm Kimi Nishimoto with my awesome co-host Megan Vanoy. And hi guys. <laughs> and today Megan is going to tell her story. She just had her tongue tie released by the master mm-hmm. Dr. Zogby and she yeah. flew to California to have it done and he did this whole workup on her so she's going to just tell her story. Megan? Yeah. Take it from the top, girl. <laughs> In some of these other episodes, you kind of probably have heard bits and pieces of mine and Kimmy's stories, um, kind of how we got into myofunctional therapy. We talk about our own disorders and what's wrong with us all the time. Uh, <laughs> so that way, you know, you guys know you're not alone here in the world. Uh, so today we decided to highlight my tongue tie procedure. So I had a functional frenuloplasty done in August by, like Kimmy said, Dr. Suresh Sagi down at the Breathe Institute in LA. Um, and I can't say enough good things about it, that experience, honestly, you guys. Um, for me, it all kind of started from like birth, basically. So people, when I talk to patients and stuff, I'll let them know, like, I'm one of those people who've had myofunctional issues. I've worked through them. Here's been my experience. Um, but I always kind of knew that one piece of my experience was really missing. And that was actually finally getting my tongue tie released. I was going to go earlier in the year, but because of um, all the shutdowns and stuff, I decided to wait. Um, and then come August, I decided to go for it. So it was really cool. But I didn't actually discover I had a tongue tie until I got into myofunctional therapy. So four or five years ago is when I finally started connecting my own dots um, because I had a posterior tongue tie. Okay. And it wasn't super obvious. Um, you know, by looking at my tongue, you would have never really known off the bat, especially because we've only really been talking about posterior tongue ties for the past few years. Uh, more and more research is coming out about those. You can look at the Breathe Institute's website, Dr. Doggy's website, um, take both patient testimonials, but also research that they've been doing to talk more and more about myofunctional therapy, um, functional frenuloplasties, and really kind of what a difference that can make. So my symptoms added all up together. Um, I was a colicky baby. Um, I'm one of four girls, which is kind of wild and definitely crazy, my poor parents. Um, (laughs) But I've always known that I was the colicky baby. Um, And my dad always used to talk about how he would like walk me around at night because I um, just had colic and he'd like rest me on his like forearm. And that was like the only way I could sleep. Um, Turned into childhood, I had this really like awesome crossbite. Um, And then... I had an expander that I used to, in the sixth grade, used to crank every night to like widen my palate. Um, At one point during the summer, you could fit like two quarters between my front teeth. It was very traumatic, (laughs) very traumatic. Um, Especially as like a sixth grader who also was like still rocking bangs. So that was really fun. Um, And then, yeah, I looked, I was really cute in those times. 
And then, you know, I went through about two and a half years of braces and I, I was your typical teenager. Like I wasn't a dental hygienist when I was a teenager. I didn't brush my teeth and floss like I was supposed to with braces. Who does? I definitely didn't wear my retainer like I was supposed to. Right. I know it's so funny because people will say that sometimes. I'm like, I haven't been a dental hygienist since out of the womb. Like that came later. <laughs> so as a teenager, like I was like too cool to do that. Right. Um, you know, I also did some bedwetting as a kid. Um, not like overly consistent, but we always thought it was because I was a super heavy sleeper and just like couldn't wake myself up in time, which we now know bedwetting can also be linked to um, poor sleep. And so I, like I said, I didn't really wear my retainer, got into college, got into dental hygiene school, got like stressed out all the time <laughs> mm -hmm. and started clenching and grinding my teeth. So, which it's always been kind of just told in the dental world that mm -hmm. clenching and grinding usually just comes from stress. Mm -hmm. But now we know more and more that clenching and grinding is also considered an airway issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like our biggest message. <laughs> I know that's my bane of my existence. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's been, I think over the past couple of years, something that's really kind of like grinded my gears, if you will, mm -hmm. of still being told, well, two things, one, being told that recessions from brushing too hard. Oh yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and two, like you just clenching and grind your teeth because you're stressed. Like let's just debunk those myths right now. Uh, recession comes from clenching and grinding. Mm -hmm. Okay. Putting so much pressure on your teeth that you start to, you're put too much pressure and that's kind of where the gums are like, Hey, we want none of this business. And you start to lose that area. Now, um, clenching and grinding. Yeah. I mean, being stressed doesn't help, but also not getting good quality sleep and not getting oxygen when you're sleeping is another huge piece of the puzzle. So, um, I don't know if Dan talked about this, um, in his functional breathing exercise or, or his functional breathing uh, course with us, Kimmy, but he talks about it in his actual course um, to where it's one of the many signals that the brain sends to the rest of the body that, Hey, I'm not getting enough oxygen. Like help me out. So the brain tells the mouth, the mouth starts to clench and grind. Your muscles are like, Whoa, you're putting too much pressure on me. So your mouth drops open. You breathe through your mouth. And then it just cycles from there. So um, that is my like big thing about clenching and grinding and recession. <laughs> Anything to add on that one, Kimmy? No, I just want to like say amen. Like that drives me crazy when everyone's like, you're just stressed. I'm like, well, I am, <laughs> but different thing. I also can't breathe at night. So, <laughs> yeah. and my tongue was not up. So yeah. Yeah. hello. Well, yeah, one of the, one of the many. Well, and actually, that's interesting. Um, here we go on a tangent. I had a patient who um, I sent her. She had a posterior tongue tie, which I'll dive into the difference between a posterior and anterior here in a sec. Um, but she had a posterior tongue tie. I sent her to um, a dentist who said that they treat those, um, and she went to go see her. And she had been talking about her clenching and grinding, but also her other symptoms. And the dentist was basically like, you just need to manage your stress. You don't need your tongue tie released. 
And the patient was actually really upset about it. <laughs> and we found her a different provider. Um, they released her tongue tie and she has just been like over the moon with mm -hmm. what a difference mm -hmm. it's really made for her as far as just like being able to breathe better, being able to just like being more open, less clenching and grinding, mm -hmm. she's sleeping better. Um, and so it's amazing. It's, it's amazing kind of the difference that those things can make. So, mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so clenching and grinding, I used to get these really bad headaches right in here. And then At when the I, your neck, right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Face of the neck, occipital area. Oh, the worst. Um, and when I started in dental hygiene, um, I couldn't get through a hygiene day without like my jaw or the back of the neck, just like aching. Um, part of it, I thought I was working too much probably was, but, um, the dentist I worked for at the time was an airway guy. And he was like, well, where's your tongue at when you are cleaning teeth? And I was like, in my mouth, what do you mean? <laughs> my tongue's in my mouth. That's where it belongs. Um, so he was actually the one who initially told me that, you know, your tongue should be in the roof of your mouth. I, he actually just told me about the tip of the tongue at the time. Um, but I started practicing that and that alone kind of started making it not so bad. But, um, so jump forward to me becoming a myofunctional therapist, starting to see patients more and more, starting to learn more and more about these posterior tongue ties and all of a sudden realizing that I had one myself, that there was something more to it. So uh, there's anterior and there's posterior tongue ties. Okay. And kind of how you, I usually explain it to patients, um, is for an anterior tongue tie, we're all supposed to have a muscle underneath our tongue. Okay. Everybody's supposed to see that little string that's under there. It's supposed to be there. Don't panic if you have one, but on some people it attaches too close to the tip of the tongue. And so the tongue can't move or have full range of motion like it's supposed to. Okay. Whereas a posterior tongue tie is the muscles actually shorter in the back. So the front part has full range of motion and it can move really well, but the back part's anchored down. And that's where we don't get support in the middle, the back part, the TMJ jaw area. And it also will fall back into that airway space because mm -hmm. it physically can't lift up out of it. So there is a couple different grading scales out there of like what grade your tongue tie is. Um, that's super important for doctors. It's super important for research. Um, but for conversational, the conversational piece of things, what I really look at is I look at appearance, I look at function, I look at symptoms, and then I look at compensations. Okay. Um, we can take measurements, we can do percentages. Most tongue ties are on a scale of one to four, four being the worst. One being you're not tongue-tied, okay? And so technically, if we want to get technical, my tongue-tie was a grade three that then compensated to a two. So, and how did that? it do that, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> and how did it compensate? Um, so my compensation is one of, like, was a really good, like, teaching tool. Um, so whenever I would lift my tongue, the floor of the mouth would come with it. And so if I were to take my finger and place it into the floor of the mouth, 
which it doesn't really do that now, but when I was tied, the whole thing dropped and I couldn't lift my tongue anymore. So all of a sudden it just showed that the floor of my mouth constantly lifting and pulling was actually what was helping my tongue move more than it should. And that was all the pulling from the base of my skull as well, was all the muscles underneath attaching and then pulling and creating that tension because the muscles didn't have full range of motion. I had mine released, but I think I could do another one now that it's healed up and I am stronger. So my floor of my mouth still lifts. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. But if I don't let it cheat. Mm -hmm. Not quite. Mm -hmm. Not quite. So I think I'm going to do another one. Mm -hmm. And in another podcast, I'll share my story. Because Megan's was a dream. Mine was not. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kimmy's story is... It's something. So yeah, mine was much more, much more (laughs) straightforward than Kimmy's. Um, So anyway, so more based off of my symptoms, more based off of my compensations, uh, you know, function uh, and not in a little bit of appearance, you could see the floor of the mouth lift, but it wasn't as obvious as the other stuff. Um, That's really what made me decide to go get my tongue tie release. So I've also struggled with sleep some over the years. I've struggled with GERD and like um, acid reflux issues. Um, So I did also get a CBCT scan to look at my airway size. I also did a sleep study to see and make sure and rule out any sort of sleep apnea. So that is one of the big things I think that we should touch on here um, is When we start talking about tongues, tongue ties, all that stuff, you also have to make sure there's enough room in your mouth for your tongue Mm -hmm. to go somewhere, okay? Mm -hmm. So the roof of your mouth should be a little garage that your car just, or your tongue fits into just like a car, okay? If there's not enough space there, the tongue still has nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So even if you get the tongue tie released and you have more range of motion, it can still fall back into that airway space. And a lot of times people can be worse off than where they started. So it's really important to get a sleep study and it's really important to see, um, do a CBCT, so cone beam CT scan and see how much room you have in your mouth, both from wide and forward. And then also the, how big your airway tube is, okay? Which so they can measure digitally on that x-ray. They can yeah. actually digitally measure how mm-hmm. big your airway is. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So um, the provider who you work with, everybody has kind of different parameters of what they're comfortable with. Um, and so we can't really speak to that because everybody's, mm-hmm. everybody's very different. Um, but the provider wants to make sure they have adequate space so they don't make things worse than it was. Um, So I got the go-ahead. I got checked up on both. Um, I was a little borderline on each. (laughs) But, you know, Dr. Zoggy is very, very experienced. He's been, he's done so many, I can't even tell you. Um, And so he felt comfortable moving forward. So my sleep study um, revealed that I had positional, um, supine positional upper airway resistance syndrome. So if I sleep on my back, 
then I start to have upper area resistance syndrome issues. My RDI goes up. If I sleep on my stomach or either of my sides, I'm fine. So I don't need any sleep interventions like a CPAP or an appliance. However, that does tell me I have limited tongue space. And so I need to start my expansion journey, which I will be doing. So, um, and the other thing that showed me that I needed some expansion is my upper jaw, even though I had an expander as a kid, um, didn't get expanded quite wide enough to fit my tongue up there really well. So I still get a little bit of scalloping on the borders of my tongue. You can kind of see it. Mm -hmm. It's not as bad as it used to be. But if you can see like indents of your teeth on the side of your tongue, mm -hmm. that's usually saying that there's not enough space. Um, and then my measurements. So my molar to molar measurements, as well as my measurements, they can measure from the side front to back as well. Um, I'm about nine millimeters deficient front to back and then about six millimeters deficient from side to side. So, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. I think yeah, that's, that's a good point, Megan. Like I yeah. had expansion already, aren't I fine? Not always. <laughs> Did they grow you no. far enough forward or to the side? So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and they might have grown me far enough forward or far enough to the sides, but I also didn't wear my retainer and I didn't use my tongue as a retainer. So really, mm -hmm. who knows? <laughs> who knows how far I was expanded to in the beginning? Um, I know my retainer doesn't fit anymore. So I know I at least had some collapse from that. Um, but that all being said, uh, so I decided to get my tongue tie released. Um, I'm going to share my screen with you guys, like warning graphic photos of my tongue tie. Okay. Um, so <laughs> there she is. So this is the pre-op. Okay. Look, I have those like sealants on my premolars from hygiene school. Oh, yeah. Um, I, again, it looks like I can lift really well. It doesn't look like the tip of my tongue attaches like really far up, but you can see in here that the floor of the mouth really lifts up with my tongue. Okay. Um, look at that suction. So oh, girl, so um, but even again, mm -hmm. um, Dr. Zagi told me I had an excellent suction. So I was like, that's a really proud moment for me. Um, again, you can kind of see, you can see my saliva gland comes above my lower front teeth. That's one way mm. to kind of look and see if there's some floor of the mouth lifting. Um, you can also see my tongue kind of wants to creep over on my molars a little bit mm. as well. Okay. Um, and then in the back, you can really see it wants to lift up. So post-op, this is where it looks a little bit gross, you guys. So surprise, there they are. <laughs> oh, it's not bad. Look at those stitches. So beautiful. Did a great job. Um, there is some swelling here, okay? But you can already see the saliva glands lower than it was in the first photo, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then same thing on the section that's lower. And it actually goes a little bit deeper back. Right now, again, this is post-op. I'm sore. I'm swollen. The tongue swells up about two to three millimeters following mm -hmm. a release. Um, and so, but everything there looked really, really good. And then now I'm, what is this, like two and a half months post-op? Mm -hmm. Pull myself closer so you guys can see it. I might even add some light here so you can see it even more. All right. So now. Look at that. 
No jaw shifting. No, my jaw doesn't close at all when I lift. Mm -hmm. And your neck doesn't strain either. No, I've never really had a neck strain. So that's something that I hadn't had to like deal with too much. Um, but the other thing is my suction. Again, maybe I'll bring up a little light. Go so much further back. Mm-hmm. My saliva glands below my occlusal plane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go so much further back. And then also the scar tissue's gone down a ton. So at first, when you saw that first kind of uh, post-op photo, you might have seen it was kind of thick. Um, definitely had some like scar tissue, but then from doing the exercises and just continuing to work as time's gone on, um, that's really shrank down as well. So um, instantly I felt just more open in here. Like mm. even when I was walking out, even to this day, I feel like I'm just so much more shoulders back, more open. Mm. I can breathe a little easier. Um, I really haven't been getting any headaches. My massage therapist who also does myofascial release is like so impressed. And it's like, why is everything so much looser? <laughs> um, I'm easier to adjust with my chiropractor as well. I'm holding my adjustments. Um, my heartburn's gone down a bunch. I'm sleeping really, really well. I still mouth tape because like I always mouth tape. I probably mm -hmm. will continue to mouth tape until I really get in deep into the expansion and there really is truly enough room for my tongue to be up there. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of been my tongue tie experience. I haven't been clenching or grinding at all. Woo. Um, Did I, you have any full Dr. body Dr. things, Megan? Like some people experience things in weird parts <gasps> of your body. You know, my lower... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a patient who felt it all the way on the tips of her toes. She had a huge emotional response to it, just like this huge kind of emotional like gush and release um, to where she just felt like she was always holding up a ton of anxiety, holding up all the scent of energy and just such a release and anxiety and then felt the release all the way down into her toes. Mm. Mine is more upper body, um, but I've always really struggled with like low back issues um, kind of tight SI area. I deal with shin splints, um, flat feet. Um, and a lot of that stuff has been like not as prominent either. Mm. So, um, again, I'm about two and a half, I'm only about two and a half months out or so. Um, so this stuff is only going to improve with time, which is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my tongue tie story. What am I missing, Kimmy? Um, no, that was good. Like, tell us about like how the process was because people are so oh, yeah. freaked out. Like, oh my God, you're going to cut my tongue. I don't want you to cut my tongue. Am I going to talk weird? Only if yeah. you're me, do you talk weird after your tongue tie surgery? I'm the only person I... who ever knows. <laughs> no, you know what? I had a little bit of a list for, for about the first like three to five days. Did you? I had a little okay. bit of a list. Yeah. That makes me mm -hmm. feel better. My yeah. sister yeah. told me I sounded like I was not from America. <laughs> She's like, you sound like you like learned English somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, tell us about how yeah. the process was, so, what it felt like. All, okay. Okay. So first of all, you have to do about eight weeks of pre-op. So 
Um, you really have to make sure your tongue is strong enough to go through it, not only just for your really good recovery, but also so the doctor can see everything they need to see and do a better job. Um, so there is like a good chunk of pre-op that needs to happen for best results. Um, we get, not everybody can do pre-op, but there is a lot of options out there. There's a lot of therapists who will see patients at a reduced rate. You just need to know who to talk to. Um, so try not to let cost, um, defer you too much. Um, and if you like want to know more, you can always reach out to Kimmy and I, we know some programs. Um, so I do want to like, just kind of put in that caveat real quick. Um, but, uh, and then post-op when you have sutures. So I went with the sutures route. Um, for adults, I have really found that to be the best option to really avoid reattachment. Um, because otherwise you really have to do a ton of post-op, um, really, really stay on top of it so that um, the wound doesn't reattach. So if it's an open, so if it's a, a release where they don't use sutures, they kind of make a diamond shape. Um, and what can happen is it can kind of start to collapse on itself if you don't keep it really, really stretched. So you really want to keep it tall and narrow. Sutures, you just leave them in there. You don't let them pop out. Um, <laughs> and you just let them chill for a few days and then you go into your stretches. So again, your therapist can help you a ton with that. Um, but it's actually even easier than it sounds. So what they do is it, you don't get put under, it's just local anesthetic, okay? They numb underneath the tongue to make sure you can't feel anything. And to be honest, I didn't even know he had started. So like, I thought he was just checking. He's like, can you feel that? And I'm like, nope. And he's like, good, we're already started. And I was like, oh, like we're going. It's on. And so I didn't feel anything. Um, it was weird because the top part of my tongue's not numb. So that way I could like suction and then tongue the spot. Suction. I did that a ton. Eh. Mm. <laughs> so you can see how the muscle was moving. You can see which connective tissue and fascia was still there, still tied. Um, so numbing, and then depending on the depending on the provider, Dr. Zagi really prefers the scalpel um, and sutures method, or the scissors and suture method. Um, he does like the CO2 laser as well. The CO2. You guys can listen to our like discussion on like different lasers and different tools in our episode with Dr. Jesse Wickoff. He kind of dove into that some, but ideally the CO2 laser, so that way you're not burning tissue, there's less scarring. Um, he did use the laser a little bit on me. I did have a blood vessel oh, he did. that was kind okay. of close to the surface. Yeah, he used it to cauterize a blood vessel. So um, yeah, there was a blood vessel that was kind of like close to the, to the surface. So that was like, as like, dicey as things got but it wasn't even dicey like <laughs> he's like there's a blood vessel close here I'm just going to cauterize it to make sure we don't get any bleeding it took two seconds it was nothing um I was the procedure itself probably took about 30 minutes by the time it's all said and done because again I did have more of a um posterior kind of severe tie so um but I didn't feel anything and then he just went and sutured and I was out the door Mm-hmm. So Megan, yeah, it was you, really that straightforward. Did you feel anything like some people they say like it'll just feel like loose in their neck or their shoulder? Did you feel anything like that? Once I sat not during the procedure, but once I sat up, 
that's when I felt like everything kind of opened up. Like everything just felt a little like looser and like I could just, mm-hmm. you know, roll my shoulders a little easier side to side. Um, so like the movement um, itself and kind of checking in. But like I have patients who feel it during and in the chair. Mm-hmm. I didn't, um, but I think I also wasn't super tense going into the chair either. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much like nerves and like how tense you are going into it. Mm-hmm. If that's kind of when you feel it a little more and more, because I feel, I think it's kind of more, my more high anxiety patients who mm-hmm. feel that. Um, and since I kind of knew what to expect and I just trust Dr. Zoggy so much, I wasn't a ball of nerves necessarily. <laughs> I was a little nervous. Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. Like if there's anything else, um, but I wasn't like so over the top nervous. So you're saying you didn't have a panic attack and cry like somebody else here. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I did not have a panic attack. I did not cry. Um, I was pretty tender afterwards. So I would say it was tender three to five days. I took Tylenol the first two nights. Um, my tongue was swollen, like I said, you know, two to three millimeters. And so I did have a couple like S days where it was a little bit sketchy. <laughs> um I kept it really soft, popsicles, smoothies, applesauce, soft foods until the sutures came out. And then once the sutures came out, I tried to start eating as normally as possible again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, day, I took six days off of work because of what I do with my tongue and for patients. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but I started seeing patients again on day seven. Mm, okay. And question for you. I don't know if you yeah. had this, but I was very swollen afterwards, like extremely swollen afterwards. But um, it was interesting as like a myofunctional therapist, I got to experience the whole gamut of like myofunctional issues because it was very tight mm-hmm. and swollen afterwards. So for the first couple of days, mm-hmm. the only way I could swallow was to tongue thrust or to bob mm-hmm. my head. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, it was hard so, to get my tongue. To, it was hard to get my tongue to the spot to swallow the first couple mm-hmm. days. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, and I think everybody's just recovery is so different, and everybody's experience is so different. Um, you know, my pain level never got above a two, maybe a three. Oh, that's amazing. I thought that Doctor Zagi. Um, because our friend Mavish, she, he did her posterior tongue tie and she said that she really didn't have much pain. I'll be honest. Mine was like a seven because he, they yeah. had to go into my muscle. <laughs> so, oh, that's a good point. I didn't, they did not have to go. Mine was not deep enough that he had to go into like the genioglossus muscle. Ah, gotcha. So I'm sure that plays a role into it too. So sometimes the connective tissue and the fascia are tied all the way back into like the floor of the mouth muscle, the genioglossus muscle. Mm. And so sometimes they do have to release all the way that far back. Um, I'm a lucky ducky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was um, not me. That doc- was not me. Dr. Baxter, when I took the Tongue Tide Academy course, mm-hmm. he said if they have to go into the muscle, you usually have more pain, like a level seven for the first couple of days. Yeah. And I will attest to that. That's yeah. in my experience. Yeah. But... Yeah, and that my, doesn't surprise me. My patients that have had their posterior tongue tie releases, they've all been real lucky. It's like maybe a four or five the first day, and then after that, it goes down to a two. So I think mm-hmm. most of the time, it's 
pretty yeah. good if you go to a great provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say the better the provider, the less pain I've seen with patients. Mm -hmm. So I have seen that kind of also go hand in hand. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Dr. Zaghi. I mean, we all sing his praises for obvious reasons. Um, now I can do it on a personal level as well. <laughs> um, but there's also, like Dr. Jesse's talked about too, and even Dr. Baxter, there's so many great providers out there. Um, so finding a great myofunctional therapist to help you then find a great provider mm -hmm. um, is real. It's just really, really important. It's it's huge. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my story and sticking to it. I love I it. So, <laughs> would you do it again if you had to? Oh yeah, hundred times over. Mm -hmm. I would too. Yeah, Mine wouldn't even hesitate. Mine was complicated, and that will be its own podcast someday because. I had a lot of funny things. Yeah. But um, even still, I'm, I think I'm going to do a second one. Mm -hmm. I just have to remove my tori. Mm -hmm. I know. Do you really I mean, have to remove it? I can see it. I, I just did a cone beam on myself last week at work. Um, my airway yeah. actually did improve after my, my tongue tie release. It got a little wider. It was good. Yeah. But you can see right where the the tori is my tongue posture is amazing it's stuck up there but it's Mine like having too. to mm -hmm. go like this mm -hmm. kind of like mm -hmm. a little heart shape up there in the roof of the mouth so i'm gotcha. gonna remove it i've been like trying to get the guts for it for a few months i'm gonna remove it and then after yeah. it heals i would like to do a second revision my dream would be to have zoggy do it mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. We'll go to LA. We'll do it. Yes. <laughs> Party. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. I love it. Uh, and honestly, you guys, I'd love to hear questions and stuff. So like you can post them obviously like on our podcast, you can email us, you can um, ask on our YouTube video channel as well. Um, but there's a lot of, in, I, there's a lot of misinformation out there and it's, it's sad, but it's true. Um, and so, I mean, do your research. Don't get discouraged if like the finances start to add up, um, mm -hmm. you know, reach out, find somebody. Like I said, Kimmy and I, you know, we know of some reduced rate programs um, that there's therapists who will, um, who are kind of looking to gain experience. Um, so they're willing to work with you within your budget. Um, and it's just, it's really, really important. So, um, you know, that's, I think that's kind of the biggest thing is, um, do your research, you know, Richard Baxter wrote the book tongue tied. Um, it's very patient friendly as well. So like, it's not just for professionals, it's patient friendly. Um, Dr. Zoggy's website, zoggymd.com has a ton of information and research. And again, it's all very like patient friendly, um, so you can read more, research more, see kind of where your symptoms are at um, and be able to really go from there. Um, like the little soapboxy, but I still think it's worth bringing up. I, you know, we see, we see things all the time and people reach out to us all the time because they either didn't do things right the first time or they didn't do all of their due diligence and then they need more help and they end up spending more money and just kind of this rabbit hole. So just want to encourage you guys to really 
do your research, mm-hmm. talk to a bunch of people, even if that means you have to drive a ways, you know, it's worth, it's worth the trip. So Kimmy, what else do you have to add towards that? It's kind of soapboxy, but here we are. <laughs> no, I just want to climb on mine for a second. Mine is, yeah. please don't just do a release. Do yeah. myofunctional therapy first. It makes all the difference in the world. Your tongue does not know what to do right now. If you need a tongue tie release, you need therapy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you got to do that first and get it really strong and healthy, get a release, and then do a lot more therapy afterwards. There's so much that you need to relearn how to do. And that would be like my big message. I had a friend and she's like, hey, I have sleep apnea and I clench my teeth all the time and I have headaches. Like, do I have a tongue tie? And she sent me a picture and it looked like a little heart in there. And I was like, yeah, you do. You should definitely do therapy. Let me know if I can help you, like whenever you're ready to go. And then she sent me a message like a month later, like, hey, I went to the ENT for something. And and I said, hey, can you just do my tongue tie while you're in there? And it was not complete. It was only like half released. Mm-hmm. And I had to break her the news like, oh, I hope it helps you, but it's not released fully. It looks like it's still restricted and you didn't do therapy. Mm-hmm. So it's probably not as good as it could have been. You know, mm-hmm. the goal is to do like a one and done and not mm-hmm. get reattachment. Mm hmm. Yeah, because the scar tissue can really impact your healing and the scar tissue can really actually make things worse than where it started. Um, And so it's just, it's really, really important. Um, And, you know, we have so many ideas in the works as far as making therapy more and more affordable. Um, So, you know, don't be discouraged by the price and don't stop asking um, because there's going to be resources out there um, and there's going to be resources out there soon. So, uh, we already have some, like I said, um, Kimmy and I do. So like reach out to us, ask us, um, you know, we're more than happy to direct people in the right direction. Um, because we don't want you guys to keep suffering and struggling. So, um, gosh, is there anything else we could talk about? We'll save it for a future podcast, man. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for tuning in, you guys. If you have questions, you know, any more about my tongue, um, Kenny already made a teaser that we're going to do an episode about her tongue. So, <laughs> uh-huh. I know. Well, you know, and it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse to be able to kind of relate to people on this level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, we know what you guys have gone through. We can speak to our experiences um, and I think that's kind of what makes myofunctional therapy a really cool field because I think a lot of us out here got into it because of our own issues or our family's issues. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what started our stories. Um, and so there is kind of a relatable piece to it, which is cool. So, um, yeah, you guys reach out to us, the Bunch Bunch podcast on Instagram. Um, Kimmy's uh, at Mouth Muscle Memory. I'm at Northwest Malfunctional Therapy. So NWMFT um, on Instagram. We've got our emails, um, our websites. Kimmy's is mouthmusclememory.com. Mine is orofacial-biology.com. Um, and we're, we're here for you guys. Whenever you need us, let us know. We're, you know, we're trying to be good advocates for the field and um, really help lead you guys in the right direction.